Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Kabbalah Cafe. Super excited, super excited to be studying together with you all this morning. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Today's class is entitled The Soul of the Entrepreneur, and we're going to be speaking about Kabbalah's take on this, the keys to being a successful entrepreneur and business person. Um, I do want to mention at the top that today's class, the learning and the breakfast, is sponsored by Deborah Bohan um, in memory, loving memory of her dear husband, Joel Berkowitz. Um, I, know, I, I know Deborah and Joel for, uh, for a few years now, and uh, we had the opportunity to study many times together. Deborah's currently studying, we're studying together, and I knew Joel to be a man with a very warm and kind heart, uh, somebody who loved learning, loved conversation, loved a good kibitz, loved a good, you know, joking, um, and was just a, a person who made a tremendous impact on my life. So I want to, and today is his second yard site, um, and so we dedicate the learning in his memory. His soul, his neshama, should have an aliyah, should have, uh, should have an ascent above, and indeed bring blessings down to to Deborah and to the whole mishpacha, to the whole family, and, uh, and indeed the learning should be for blessing. Let us say, Amen. So I want to jump into today's topic and speak about what it means to be an entrepreneur. And it's interesting, I was at a Shabbos table a few weeks ago in New Haven, Connecticut. So I think it was about, it was a month ago. I was up in New Haven. Um, we didn't have Kabbalah that Sunday. I'm sure you all remember that or don't. Um, and anyway, I was sitting around the table and we had a bit of a, a reunion of friends that were, we were very, a few of us were very close in yeshiva. This is going back now to 1990, uh, no, probably 1989. I'm kidding, that's a Taylor Swift reference. No, 1990, sorry, 1997, I want to say, 98. So yeshiva in Morristown, New Jersey, with a bunch of guys, really good friends. And we've all kind of, you know, we all live in different places, different cities. I live in Atlanta, as you probably figured out by now. Um, <laughs> I don't just commute every day. Uh, my buddy, other friend lives in New Haven. I have a friend that lives in Brooklyn and another friend that lives in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And that's like the four... Um, the four horsemen, right, as it were. Right, so the four... Yeah, the the, the Hevra, huh? Oh, the four musketeers. That's what it is. The four musketeers. And so we're sitting around the table. Um, and the, So the one from New Jersey... So he came up together with his wife and kids. I came up with just me, and my friend came up. The other guy from Brooklyn came up with like two kids, whatever, without getting into all the details. So, so, one of, so my friend's wife was there. She is a writer. She's like a very creative person. And she was saying how she just launched an online course to, for fellow creatives. And what's the course? The course is teaching you, Tsugazunt, how to go from a freelancer to an entrepreneur. How to, how, to, how to move from being a freelancer to being an entrepreneur. So I, I was intrigued. I'm like, so what's, what's, what does that mean? Um, and she said, it's ba- without reducing it too much, you know, she was saying basically at the core of it, obviously there are, there are, there are um, actual skills that need to be learned, et cetera, but a lot of it is about mindset. Now, how do you view yourself? Do you view yourself as, as a... As a um, you know, someone freelancing or even an employee or 
an entrepreneur. So it got me thinking. We had a very long conversation. She shared some of the some of the ideas that she was presenting in this online course that she was doing, which I found very very wise and uh, and, and and very accurate. Um, and it got me thinking about this entire idea of entrepreneurship vis-a-vis Judaism and spirituality, which is ultimately where we're going to go to today. But I first want to start off by examining what is what drives the entrepreneur. What's at the soul of the entrepreneur? As opposed to, let's say, an employee, someone who's... Uh, so the Rebbe, in one of his talks, the Rebbe speaks about the difference between the employee and the business owner. And he says like this. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He says that the, that the employee works nine to five or, or so. When, the, when, when they clock out, when the, day is, when the work day is over, they can forget about the work until the next day. Whereas, if you own the business, right? If you own the business, five o'clock, you know, it comes, you're still thinking about the business, right? Six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 24 seven, you're gonna be thinking about the business. Why? Because it's not just something that, you, that you're doing, but it's something that's, that's more, the investment is is so far greater when you when when it's when it's your business when you when when you're running it and you're responsible for it. There's a different level of responsibility. The Rebbe said this vis-a-vis our relationship to Judaism. But again, I want to leave the application or the Jewish application. I want to leave that for a little bit later because today I want to get into. So if that's the case, what what are the sole characteristics of the entrepreneur? So I'm glad you asked. So I have with us. I have with us here the Kabbalah, <laughs> the Sefirot chart. You've seen this many times. If you've been at this class a few times, you've seen it many times. Um, and we're going to go through this to kind of map out, spiritually map, the soul um, energies that power entrepreneurial drive versus what we would call, let's say, employee um, dedication or loyalty. So let's pass these around, as we love to do. Thank you. I always like giving you one. That way you don't have to. That's like, I, I, all right, so here we go. I'm going to pull this up on the screen as well. I'm going to share my screen. And we're all on the same page here. Okay, so on the one side of, this, of the sheet is obviously the Hebrew. On the other side is the English. Um, you can kind of reference whichever side you like. But here's what I want to do today. You know, typically, when, when we go through this chart, I like to divide it by Seichel and Midas, which are the intellectual powers of the soul and the emotional powers of the soul. And they're indicated on this chart as blue and red. It's almost like cold water and hot water, you know, like the blue and the red for the, the faucet or whatever. So the blue would be the intellectual, Chachma Binadat, Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And the emotional side, um, chesed, love, kvura, severity, tver, compassion, netzach, ambition, ho, devotion, yisur, bonding, and machot, leadership. <coughs> Those are the emotive soul powers. And that's typically how we do it. But today, I want to divide it a little bit differently. Not top, bottom, or top, third, bottom, two-thirds, but rather, I want to go right and left. And there are various ways, again, in which you can divide this chart. Um, and if you look at the lines, the kind of, connect the different energies, you'll notice right away 
that if you start from the top right, which is Chachma, you can go straight down to Chesed, and you can go straight down from there to Netzach. You see that? There's a straight line that goes down. It's not like we're... Look, typically if you read the, the order of the sphere, it's, you go right, left, center, right, left, center, right, left, center, down. That's how you would, do, that's how you would typically go through it. But it's not outside the, uh, the Kabbalistic uh, framework to go in bit different directions. You can go diagonal. This is kind of like, I don't know, what is this, like a word find? What do they call those things? Word search. Word search, straight up. It's like you can find the word that way, that way, that way. There's different lines that connect to different energies. And so you can go Chachma, Chesed, Netzach, and Bina, Gvura, Hod. Those things are connected. Chachan and Baga. Those, those, you know, those energies, the right what, what Kabbalah refers to as the Kav Hayamin. Kav means like a line, right? Kav Hayamin, Yamin is the right line. Kav Hasmol is the left line. So we have the right line and the left line. So here's what I want to do. Let's look at the right line for a moment. It feels like a subway uh, conversation. Not the food. <laughs> the subway transportation. Okay, Chachma, Chesed, Netzach. What are these elements? And as you may know, Chachma is not just wisdom, which is a little vague in its meaning. Chachma is more precisely intellectual curiosity and intellectual discovery, or what I like to refer to as intellectual conception, where the mind conceives of or is um, gifted with a new idea. And the way that that is, the way that is, depicted in um, comics, cartoons, is by, a light, is by a, a light bulb, the flash of a light bulb going off. It's like, oh, I don't know, I don't have the solution, light bulb goes off, I got it, I got the idea. That's what Chachma is. Chachma is the flash in the language of Kabbalah, in some places it's called the Barak HaMavrik. It's the lightning bolt that flashes through the sky. The example that's given in Kabbalah is, imagine you're walking down the street, and it's dark, and you don't know where you're going. Imagine you're in a new town, right? You're, in, uh, you're visiting Paris, and the streets are dark. Are the streets dark in Paris? I don't know, maybe some side streets. And you're not sure where you're going, somewhere, somewhere sometimes. And the lightning, uh, lightning flashes through the sky, and for a moment, everything is illuminated. Ah, there's clarity. You see, suddenly everything is clear, it's illuminated, and then it goes dark again. Chachma is when you're trying to figure out a problem and you have a sense of, aha, it's that aha moment, aha, I got it, but it could easily be gone. It's easy, well, I don't, I don't know if it's easy to come, easy to go, but it, it comes in, but then it can easily, well, well, it does, it gets dark again, and then the mind has to kind of recreate that flash of insight that the mind got. So Chachma, but in short, Chachma is the power of the ability to uh, create a creative intelligence, to conceive of new ideas, to come up with something brand new, to challenge intellectually the status quo, and to come up with something that the world has not yet seen. So, for example, if we're working on taking something that already exists, taking, let's say, a product or product line that exists, and we're iterating, we're creating a better version of the mousetrap, as it were, Right? So then that would not be a Chachma experience. If you're just taking something and making it better, you're not, typically, typically, you're not leaning on, you're not activating, your Chachma is not lighting up. Chachma is lighting up when 
you come up with a, with a brand new idea. It's like, oh my gosh, what if we did this, that, and the other? Oh my gosh, no one's ever tried that before. That's crazy, right? Like, who does that? And, or maybe not even as dramatic as that, but something that is new, novel, something that really comes, uh, that follows what I would call a bit of intellectual frustration, where we don't have the answer, we don't understand it, we can figure it out, and there's a little bit of this frustration or a sense of limitation of I, I don't have enough information, and then there's this opening. And Kabbalah teaches it's precisely from the place of frustration that the opening happens. In other words, it's when the mind recognizes that it, that it doesn't have all the answers, that it activates a sense of humility, or that it, I don't know if it activates, but it, 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 evo it, it evokes, thank you, a sense of humility. And that humility allows the mind to open to new ideas beyond itself. It's kind of like, you know, the doors to an unknown, uh, unknown uh, space of, of wisdom that open up that allow that, that information to come in from the beyond. I mean, think about it. I've used this example before in other classes. Um, so if you've heard it, Okay, You'll, this will reinforce it. If not, this is, I think, a very powerful idea. Imagine, think about everything that you know. Now, not everything that you know can, not everything that we know can we remember at any given moment, but think about the entire body of, of knowledge that you've known throughout your life. Okay, great. Now, think about the amount of knowledge there is in this room and ask yourself a very simple question. Is there more, collectively, is there more knowledge in this room than I personally have in my own mind? I think the answer would be absolutely, right? Because not everyone has the same experience and the same information and the same, you know, uh, uh, study, et cetera. So clearly, obviously, it goes without saying that in this room there is a, a, a magnificent amount of wisdom that is, that is far greater than any, any person's, any one of us, our individual um, wisdom. So that's, okay. Then you think about, the world, the entire world. How much wisdom is there in the world? That's a lot of wisdom. It's a lot of wisdom. Think about how much, I, everyone's like, oh, I know a lot of things. Sure, but think about how much is known in the broader world amongst 8 billion people. That's an incredible amount of wisdom. And then you think about all of that is limited to human beings. Think about on a divine level, divine wisdom or wisdom in the universe, whatever your favorite uh, uh, description is, whether you want to get like, Spiritual New Age or old school Jewish, right? However you want it, God's divine wisdom or the, the, the wisdom of the universe, whatever you want to call it, think about how much greater than is, that, that is than even the collective wisdom of humanity. And certainly how much greater that is in an almost infinite way to the amount of wisdom that you and I possess inside of our own minds. You with me so far? Okay. And then imagine if your mind could open up and somehow tap into a wisdom that exists outside of yourself. A wisdom that exists just out there. Chachma, wisdom that exists in the universe that is not yet in your mind. And if there's a way to tap into that, and, and Kabbalah says there is a way to tap into that. The key is, the key is to not think that you have all the wisdom. Because as long as you think that you have all the wisdom, or let me just say this in the first person, as long as I think that I have all the wisdom, then I'm not open to discovery. I'm closed, like closed-minded in almost a literal sense, right? I'm closed-minded, I'm not open to discovery. The more humble I am in my mind, in other words, the more intellectually humble I am, 
recognizing that I don't have all the answers, that there's way more wisdom out there that I haven't yet discovered, and the more I can allow my mind to relax and not need to dominate and figure things out, the more I can open my mind and, and be curious, the more I can learn and really discover. This is the key to the discovery, which is why the Kabbalists teach that Chachma, and this will work, oh, we have the Hebrew side. Oh, this is great. Flip it over to the Hebrew if you'd like. If you look at the Hebrew word Chachma, and you divide it in half, and then switch, okay, there's a few things you have to do here. Divide the word in half, and then flip the order of the first two letters. Okay? Hope, hope you're following me. That's all you have to do. It spells the word Koach Ma. It, spe- it spells the phrase uh, yeah, we got some down there. Are you switching both sides of it? No, 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 just the right side. Right, so you divide it in half, and then the first two letters, you just flip the first two letters themselves. Right, so you have koachma. Koachma, koach means power, and ma means ma nishtana ha Ma means, could mean why, it could mean what, but ma could be how, ma is the Hebrew word for, essentially, a question. Ma. It, it's, it's like if you were to like put a, uh, an emoji for the word ma, it would be a question mark. Koach ma means the power to ask. The power to question. Isn't that the perfect description of chachma? In English, wisdom. Wisdom. What's wisdom? What does that even mean? Chachma is wisdom? What is that? It, does, does that mean that chachma is what I know? Like, what does that actually mean that chachma is wisdom? Right? So, I think... I think what we have here is this idea that Chachma is not the wisdom that we possess. It's not even the it's not even um, our it's not even just in general the power to learn things. Chachma is a very specific soul ability to question, to be open to new ideas. It's a very it's a very specific soul power. Give me one second. It's a very specific soul power that has the ability to, uh, to allow us to learn things that we simply don't yet know. And that's a very powerful thing. So that's Chachma. Koyachma, the power of what? The power of why? The power of how? The power of who? The power of the question. It's the question mark. That's what Chachma is. Okay? So Chachma is essentially, if we were to use a, a mo- I don't know, modern, but another English phrase, I would call Chachma, you ready for this? Innovation. Innovation. When we think about an entrepreneur, right, not not every entrepreneur is in the field of innovation, but we might say that the difference between, let's say, an entrepreneur and an employee is that an employee is tasked with a job. The employee is told, hey, here's 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 the job, here's what we want to get done, go ahead and get it done. Whereas the entrepreneur one of the, one of the um, elements that we might say runs through the spirit, the soul spirit of the entrepreneur is this idea of innovation, creativity, solving for problems that exist in the world that people have not yet solved, right? Coming up with, with new ideas. I mean, think about it. This morning, okay, so this, right? So think about Uber. I'm not like, this is not like a... Uh, uh, pro Uber class. I'm just saying, Uber. Like, what's the idea of Uber? Uber is okay. People have cars, and people are driving around, and maybe they have some free time, and maybe they want to make a few extra bucks. Wouldn't it be great? 
to create a platform in which we connect people that need rides with people that wouldn't mind giving a ride. And hopefully everyone ends up safe. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Right? I mean, that's, that's an ideal world, right? That everyone is safe and things are... So it's a, it now, is, is, like, is driving you know, innovation, is that creative? Is it? No. Is, um, is it innovative to hire someone to drive? No, that existed before. But I think this idea of having... Um, first guy to add taxis, which is Yeah, right. And this idea of having like lay people, for lack of a better term, right? <laughs> lay people, non-professionals drive. It could be the greatest thing, could be the worst thing. I think, I don't know, we'll, we'll find out. Lyft was huh? first. Lyft was first? A Before, was really? I All right. Why. <laughs> Is what what? Say it again. Good. I like, I like the way you said that. I like the way you said that. Right, there's assets available and you're utilizing it. Good. It's like Airbnb, similar concept. Um, the point is not, again, it's not about one specific industry. It's just to say that, you know, the, a lot of these companies are built on, a lot of innovative companies, tech companies, et cetera, are built on um, a, a spirit of innovation, creativity. You know, how can we use what we have in, in a unique way or you know, bring people together in a way that, that hasn't been done before. And again, it's thinking, it's thinking creatively. So uh, the, the soul of the entrepreneur definitely has, definitely leans toward a lot of chachma. Definitely leans toward this idea of chachma, which is creative, which is innovative, thinking outside the box, not looking at what is and defining reality about what, what's already been made, but being able to look at things and say, well, what if we could? What if we could? What if we could take a phone and eliminate all the buttons? Said Steve Jobs, I don't know, a decade and a half ago or whatever it was. How old the iPhone is? 2007. Oh, there you go, 15 years. Which is crazy because it seems like it's older than that, doesn't it? You got it all from Star Trek. Star Trek. There you go. So right, it takes it takes these these ideas, these innovative. Ideas. What if we could, right? And let's try it. And let's let's. And how many ideas fail because they're too out of the box, or they're too, there's nothing you know to hold it and to ground it. So the entrepreneur definitely has a lot of chachma. Let's go down the line to chesed. Chesed is loving kindness. Well, my understanding is a lot of entrepreneurs are not so kind, but that's not not all. Hashtag not all entrepreneurs. But some entrepreneurs could be very tough. Speaking of Steve Jobs, I don't know if he was the type of guy to like uh, compliment everyone on their work. Hey, it's great Elon to see Musk. you. Huh? Elon, Elon Musk. Musk, right. Oh, how do we forget about him? Talk about a guy that's, <laughs> that's creative and, and yet, right? There's a lot of, lot of stuff with Elon Musk. So, so here's the deal. But what, so what was my thought vis-a-vis Chesed? Because the entrepreneur is definitely on this right side. Chesed is the idea of expansion, as opposed to gvura, which is about contraction. Chesed, which is giving, it's also about the idea of, of going broad, going wide. Gvura, severity, is more about limitation. Gvura is minimizing, chesed is expanding. That is the energy, uh, the energy waves of chesed versus gvura. Chesed takes something small and makes it larger. Gvura takes something larger and makes it small. So chesed is, is this open energy. Gvura is a little bit more of a closed energy. It's just different, different modalities. We need both. The heart 
right? A heart, as it pumps, it expands and contracts. Chesed, gvura. Chesed, gvura. Continuously. And you need the interplay of both. But let's talk about chesed, because after all, this is, the class is titled The Soul of the Entrepreneur, which is on the right side, as Kabbalah teaches. Chesed. Chesed is not just love and kindness, but it's about expansion. And expansion means it's a mindset to not just do what's necessary, but to go big. Right? As opposed to a mindset that says, well, things are contained, things are safe, Chesed says, let's go big. So for those of you, I'll share this, taking the, uh, um, the current JLI course that we're teaching, Advice for Life. So in the first lesson, we talked about the Rebbe's advice for business people, work, wealth, business, etc. And there was a letter that the Rebbe wrote in 1959 to an Israeli Chabad person, Chabadnik. And this man had, was a turkey farmer. He was a turkey farmer. And he had an opportunity to expand the turkey farm. Right? So the question that he asked was, he wrote a letter to the rabbi asking, should I expand the business? Or should I keep things the way they are? What's the pro and the con? Well, the pro of expanding the business is expanding the business. The con would be that it would take up more of his time. So instead of him having like, you know, kind of a, somewhat of a maintained you know, uh, you know, business. To expand it would mean, I don't know, hiring more people, managing more people, just more time with your head in the, in the turkeys, right? And is that a good thing? Maybe he should just make enough that he needs you know, to earn, and then the rest of the time he can you know, do Jewish things, study Torah, uh, do mitzvot, pray, daven, you know, et cetera. Okay, so the Rebbe writes back, 1959, and he says, that you've been given the opportunity to expand. And we know how many good causes there are out there. And if you expand your business and generate more wealth, then you're going to be able to, <laughs> to support more good causes. Expand the business. That was the Rebbe's angle. Expand the business. Go big. Right? Don't be a small turkey farmer. Be like a big-time turkey farmer. Go bananas with the turkeys. That was, that was the Rebbe's advice. And in, in the first class that, uh, of the series, which is a beautiful class, um, we read the letter. We saw the letter, black and white. There it is. The Rebbe says, expand the business. The entrepreneur is always looking to expand. Again, I can't say all, but in general, the entrepreneurial spirit is about expansion. Not just being satisfied with the status quo, with the way things are, but looking to expand. Again, kind of like Chachma, where you're, you're not... Uh, you're not um, uh, okay or, or you're not complacent with what you know and, and, and the ideas that have already been created, but you're looking for new ideas and for innovation. Chesed is also the idea of expansion. It's, it's not just the status quo of whatever it is. Chesed is about opening up new channels, broader channels. Chesed is not just giving, it's giving in ever-increased fashion. So if you think about chesed, it's kind of like, you know, if you were to look at it at, uh, with a, like a chart, it's not just, and this is like a baseline of whatever, it's like the bottom of the chart. It's not just giving. It's giving like this. Chesed is not just giving, but it's expanding and ever expanding. It's, it's broadening as the giving is giving. So in, again, vis-a-vis business, it's somebody who's looking not just to, to do something, 
um, and, and, and even to create something, but to create something that expands. The entrepreneur is always looking for new investments, for new businesses, for new opportunities. The entrepreneur is looking for expansion. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking and not a lot of checking in. Yeah. Sorry. That's important, and their entrepreneurs are risk takers. Netzach. That's the next one. Yes, yes, risk takers. That was that. That's right on point. Taking risks. The truth is, taking risks could be a little chesed. Maybe that's even chesed. Could be chesed also. Why? Gvura is very logical. Gvura says, I don't know, it may not work. Let's, let's pull back, right? Gvura says, uh-oh, I'm getting, I'm getting a little nervous here. It may not work. Let's, what do they call it? Let's circle the wagons. Is that, I'm using that phrase correctly? Let's circle the wagons. Let's keep things, let's keep things close. Let's not, let's not go too crazy. Chesed is almost, you know what? It's definitely chesed. Chesed is, is, is super risky. Chesed is the sense of, you know what? Let's just go big. And I'll tell you why I say that, specifically chesed and gvura. If you think about it, on a literal sense of giving, so gvura, the way Kabbalah explains it, gvura is when the giver looks at the recipient and says, well, based on the recipient, I'm either going to give or not going to give. I'll give this much or I won't give this. Chesed is, I'm not even looking at, what you need and who you are and whether you're deserving or how much you're deserving. Chesed is generosity, is giving. That's risky. Avram, Abraham, right? O.G. Abe was the epitome, the embodiment of chesed. In fact, it says uh, in the Medrash that as long as Avram was, uh, during his lifetime, the angel of chesed, whose name is Michal, Michal also refers to a whole genre of angels that are of chesed modality, but the angel Michal said to God, I have no work. I'm out of a job. Because Avram was so chesed, he took all the chesed. Who has it? Right? He took all the chesed. There's no more chesed for the angels. Okay. What did Avram do? Famously, what was his, like, the big thing that we learn about in the Medrash, alluded to in the Torah itself? He plant, Torah says he planted an Eishel. What does that mean? Eishel stands for Achila. Eishel is spelled Aleph, Shin, Lamed. Stands for three Hebrew words. Achila. Achila, Shtia, and Lina, or Levia, I think that's the way you pronounce it, which is eating. You're my resident Hebrew grammatist. <laughs> oh, dad. Um, Achila is eating, Shtia is drinking, and Lina would be resting. In other words, in other words, a B&B. I didn't say Airbnb. Full service, a place to eat, a place to drink. And a place to rest. Place to rest your weary desert traveler legs. They were positioned in the middle of the, of the desert, middle of nowhere. They had a tent. Huh? Location. Location, location, location. They were at the crossroads. As um, Who writes it? Arya Kaplan maybe writes. I think Arya Kaplan writes in one of his books that um, the Fertile Crescent, that, 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 that um, this is like at the crossroads of civilization. Well, Israel is, but even where Avram kind of, uh, where Abraham set up shop, the crossroads of various trade routes. And famously, his tent was open. Tent, you know, I, I don't know. When I was a kid, I think I pictured an actual tent because maybe it was drawn like that, but I don't think it was a tent. I think it was like, 
a structure. Whatever it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, we're camping. I don't think people lived like, oh, they're, they're camping with a pop-up tent. Whatever. Like, but his, his tent, his space was open on all sides, all four directions. Which means, which means, basically, he set up the first Chabad house in history. A place that's always open, a place that's always welcome, a place where there's no judgment. Come in as you are. He accepted everyone. Now, remember, remember, remember. In his day, there weren't other monotheists. Well, maybe there were like a few tucked away, secluded in some yeshiva of shame and aver. But aside from that, the world did not have monotheists, which means that the people that were walking in for a meal were people who were idolaters, bowed down to idols, the antithesis of what he believed in. And yet... He was 100% welcoming. He wasn't judged. He wasn't like, well, before you step into my place, you need to have a conversation. And then I'll let you in. He was like open, totally open, no preconditions. Come in. Then as the Gemara, the Talmud states this, the Medra states this, in multiple places in our oral tradition, we have the same story. What's the story? The story is that after Abraham, Avram, Avinu, uh, would wine and dine his guests, they would say, ah, oh, thank you. They say to Avram and Sarah, Abram and Sarah, thank you so much for the hospitality. You're amazing. How can we ever repay you? And he would say, don't thank me, thank God. Thank the one God who's created the world. He said, who's this one God? We don't believe in one God. We're not going th- to bless God or thank God. Abraham said, okay, in that, in that case, let me print out the receipt. Because <laughs> if, you, you know, if you look at, I don't know, stadium prices, Airport prices, if you look at, you know, other uh, <laughs> locations where they have all the leverage. I love the airport. It's like, you can't bring in water, but we'll sell it to you for like $12. It's like, oh, great. I know, I know. You can bring in a water bottle and fill it up. I've discovered that recently. It's amazing. My life has changed. But sometimes the water doesn't taste good. Anyway, enough about that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Super 18. We'll leave, we'll leave the light on for you or whatever. Yeah. So how did he get the money to support Good question. Good question. So it says that when he went down to Egypt, and remember, so God tells him, Lech Lecha, leave Haran, go, da- go to Canaan, uh, Israel. And then famine breaks out, so he goes down to Egypt. And when he goes down to Egypt, he tries to hide his wife. We're not going to get into details of that story. Whatever, that's a conflict. And then uh, she gets still abducted by Pharaoh and, and then gets released. But at that point, uh, Pharaoh sends uh, a gift, Abraham, with a lot of wealth. And then it happens again with, with Abimelech, or maybe that's the next generation, whatever. Anyway, a few encounters, and they got, they, they got, uh, they got, some, they got some wealth. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not a bad gig. The point is that... Yeah, they got this, investors. They got investors. Oh, they got investors. The point is that Avram, and this is why I'm saying this, that there were no preconditions. And it could be that some people he gave and spent time with, and there was no ROI on that one. In other words, there wasn't a return. The person said, you know what? I still don't believe. I'm not going to accept monotheism. You think everyone that he encountered, he was able to educate and flip? I would say probably not. And yet... He gave. He didn't say, well, let me size you up. Fill out, this, fill out this questionnaire on the way in. How open are you to discovering new things about your faith? Right? Like semi-open, not open at all, very open. Like 
He didn't ask them about that before he gave. And sometimes it worked, sometimes, sometimes it didn't. That is the risk, right? Getting back to what you said, the risky uh, uh, nature of the entrepreneur. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it blows up. But you know what? That is the nature of the entrepreneur, and that's the nature of chesed. Chesed gives indiscriminately. Chesed is, you know, I'm investing, I think it's a good idea, I'm not sure. Gvura is way more disciplined. Gvura is, one of the definitions of Gvura is discipline. Whereas chesed is not so disciplined. By the way, just because we're speaking about the right side and, and the soul spirit of, of entrepreneurs does not mean that the left side is not necessary, valuable, or even superior in many ways. So don't, so this is a general uh, um, a disclaimer. Don't think that because we're favoring one side in our conversation today that that means that that's the, the right side, a correct side. We're talking about the right side. There's also a left side. Anyway, so Chachma is creativity, innovation. Chesed is, um, what do we say, is risk-taking and whatever I said before. Okay. Expand, oh, expansion, right, an expansion mindset, a growth mindset. Sorry? Which requires risk. Exactly. It's like, okay, we have a great store, right? Should we open up another one? I don't know. This one's going great. Why would we do that? Why would we risk it? Then we have to have new employees and retrain everyone and try to replicate the model. Who says that's going to work? And if that doesn't work, it may suck funds from this one, and the whole thing is going to go down. Maybe we just keep this one shop. It's successful. I'm earning a living. Maybe we just do the shop. Numerically, most fail. Most? I think so. Yeah. Okay. You there you go. Right. There you go. It's a very risky thing. It's a very risky thing. It's expansion risk. It's chesed. So what's interesting is what what did you say? What did you say? What? what? Oh, more chairs. Well, no, I mean, but I think it's also I think what I'm trying to say today, what what I'm is that we can try to break down, and I wrote this a little bit in the email. We can try to break down like the specific motivation, but it's also it's just a thing that's inside of us, and some people are more right side, some people more left side, some people are more because everyone's soul has. Uh, uh, all 10 powers, but different uh, ratios of these. So if you're strong on the right side, then by nature, you just might be very creative, innovative, innovative, looking to expand, looking to take risks. And then an outlet for that is entrepreneurial uh, activity. Or failure. failure. Right, correct. Correct. If most are failing, correct. All chesed is giving. I... Listen, I, I wasn't around. I, I can't. It's I, any speculation is pure speculation. But if you think about how many, um, if you think about how many, no worries. If you think about how many um, people um, Avram dealt with, right? I again, it's it's speculation, but probably most people didn't come around to his new newfound, you know, monotheism and Judaism. All right, Netzach, the last one. And then we're going to apply back to Judaism. Netzach, again, on the right side, there's only three. Chachma, Chesed, Netzach. Netzach is ambition. Well, I mean, doesn't it speak for itself? Ambition. Netzach is also the idea of victory. Victory means Netzach, Nitzachon. How do you translate Nitzachon? Nitzachon is victory, but also, um, there's another word I'm looking for. It's Netzach is... Yeah, also like winning. Netzach is winning, which is the same as victory. Success. Uh, sorry? Success. Success. 
Netzach is pushing through, you know, I have my, um, you know, this is uh, uh, something that I want to see happen. Hod is, maybe let's contrast it. On the opposite side, if you take, you know, the, the east-west line, all the way west to the left side to Hod, Hod is devotion. Hod is, I will do what you tell me to do. Right? I'm going to, I'm going to yield to what you think. You tell me what to do, I'll do it the way that you said I should do it. Hod is very um, subordinate, very, um, uh, you know, very follow, following or following instructions. Netzach is the opposite. Netzach is giving the instructions. Netzach is, here's what we're going to do. Netzach is strong decision making. Very strong decision making. This is the vision. This is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to be successful. Netzach is a very, and, and Netzach can manifest in very ugly ways. You think about this, the person who's driven to success and will step on or destroy anyone in their way, that is Netzach all the way maxed without any filter on the other side. It's like we've cut off Hod and it's all Netzach. That's when Netzach, Netzach can get very ugly very quickly. Netzach, though, is also critical to success because in any business venture, really in any area of life, you're always going to encounter obstacles. You're always going to encounter challenges. So you launched a new business, right? And for the first few months, wow, it's growing. And then it dips. Now the question is, are you going to persevere? Oh, perseverance. That's the word I was looking for. Perseverance. Are you going to persevere through the challenge, through the difficulty? Will you see it through? If you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to be able to persevere. If at, any, if at the first moment of challenge, you're like, you know what? Nah, that was a bad idea. Then you're never going to build anything like that. In order to build something, you have to have perseverance. If you see the problem, you identify the problem, and, eat, and, and you may just have to blast through it. In a healthy way, according to the code of Jewish law, obviously, but to but to blast through the challenge, to blast the problem, to be successful. So it's it, to me, it's very clear when you look at, and and, and look, I, I didn't give a, a lot of background about this because I think at this point we all know what this is. But just to state it for the record, um, this is the chart of spiritual energies, soul energies that exist in the cosmic realm at large, also within the, every human being, has all, the, has all 10 of these soul powers. And for different people, there are different strengths and different weaknesses. Some of us are more right-sided, some of us are more left-sided, some of us are more down the center. It's all good. The, the entrepreneurial spirit, though, seems clearly to be um, emanating from that right side, which means, as I said just a few minutes ago, if your soul... It favors the right side, that may manifest itself in you being an entrepreneur. Now, it doesn't mean that somebody on the left side can also be an entrepreneur, but more than likely, they will have to work a little bit about taking, uh, to take a risk, push themselves like, I don't know, this doesn't feel right, but you know what? I think, it's, I think this could work. Like, so it's about taking, taking risks. Yeah. Mm. Endurance. Oh, no, sorry, eternity. Eternity, eternity yes. Same thing. Seeing something through to the end. Consistency to the end. What does it mean, endurance or, or forever, eternality? Eternity means that it's, it's here and it's going to be. It's perseverance, right? It's, it's, in other words, it doesn't wilt halfway through. 
If it wilts, it doesn't endure. It doesn't. It's not forever. Forever means I don't stop. I, it's we keep on going. I don't know. I mean, yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of. Now, but here, but, oh, but one second. Remember, it no one exists in pure polarity. <clears throat> I hope not. I mean, no one exists only on the right side. We all have ten soul powers, which means we also have hopefully a healthy hode. Even if we're more netzach oriented, we also have hode. So my point is to say like this, that what, what drives someone to start a business, to come up with an idea, to solve for a problem that no one's, maybe a problem that people don't realize that, that it's a problem, right? You create a solution to a problem that you don't even know that you have it, but to think outside the box and then to, to get investors and to, like, and to work at it and to push through obstacles, what drives that? Again, it could be, the promise of, could be the promise of money, but I think it's also about a nature. And it's not something that, I'm not saying either you have or you don't, I'm not saying that. It can be learned, because at the end of the day, we all have those abilities. And even if they're not, by nature, the most active soul powers that we have, we can lean into that and expand it like any muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. And so the more we, the more we, we do that, it might be, Reading books, attending seminars, learning the skills. Someone who's more left side oriented can then do, go get to the right side through a discipline approach, right? Through a discipline approach. I'm going to learn this, study this, apply this, get, you know, make sure it's uh, building it out in a safe way, but ultimately try to get to that place where it's, it's leaning toward the right as well. So there's a dichotomy there because while uh, uh, the entrepreneur really wants more freedom, okay, the sky's the limit, as big, if you she has a, a, a grander picture, it does require more discipline. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, you know what's funny? Thank you for saying that, because last night as I was kind of like um, preparing, preparing the class, you know, studying and, and, and also my head, you know, I had, I had this, you know, this, and then this morning it came to me that it's not just what I said now, but what you said also. That to pull this off, you have to have a lot of discipline. Oh, sure. You have to have a ton of discipline. So the gavura, it's not like you can only pull this off on the right side. You need a tremendous left side. You have to. If you're, if you're actually going to do it, if you're going to get into a meeting, right, with investors, right, and, and, and present something, you have to have discipline. Maybe, you know, I don't know, you know, like the, in the last few years, I, I think it's been like people investing in the people that don't have the plan, like, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried, like, it's like, oh, he looks the part. He's wearing the hoodie and the flip-flops. He must be, like, we, like, he definitely deserves billions of dollars. It's almost like, let's be reckless, but also like, we have a, a plan for that because it, it fits a genre. But you're right. The discipline is the key all around. In all aspects, what drives it is actually the discipline. Well, that's what ultimately sustains it. Self-discipline. If you're on the left side, if you're an employee, the discipline is from the outside. That's the, your job description. Correct. The structure. That's right. you have to do. It's right. very described. Well said. It's very contained. That's right. And you want creative, but a good entrepreneur will bring out the creative in those people. Right. At, the, at each job, and we'll get them to be more creative. The key is that crossover. Has to have that overall self-discipline, or 
uh, it's not going to work. It goes off on so many tangents. Right. You can't stay focused. So you know this um, this guy Sam Altman, OpenAI. He got bounced like a month and a half ago. Oh, yeah, well, within 24 hours. He must you know, started that company with him. Yeah, yeah, so, so he got bounced. So I, I, I did a little deep dive into, like, what was going on there? Because that sounds crazy. Because here you have a guy. Oh, sure, 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 sure. So um, ChatGBT, uh, so it's like, and, and AI, right. So the company is called OpenAI, and they've done, for years, they've done a lot of stuff in the AI space with, uh, I think it's uh, learning language models and everything, and like you know, basically scraping data, scraping information that's available, and then putting it through these, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but like putting it through these uh, systems to process the information, and then basically to create, um, at this point, create products that can be effective for, you know, for people across the board. So you know, from the simple example of ChatGPT, you know, uh, write a book review for, you know, this book, or rewrite this sentence, or create a, a, a acrostic poem for, you know, my mother's birthday, using her name, and these, this is her name. And it will, it, it just, and it spits it out instantly, and it's based on, so that's, right, and then you have other, uh, you know, open AI, you can also type in a description of, of a piece of art that you want, and it will create the art. It's pretty incredible. Well, what's interesting? What's interesting is <laughs> Rabbi AI is on the. Is on the uh, <laughs> I see Rabbi. I see Rabbi AI brewing. No, I've actually. It's funny. I've. I can write a sermon. Yes, and I one of the sermons that I gave in the main shul about a year ago. I had it write the first part, and then I and then I did the big reveal. Uh, no, but what's interesting is that, you know, there's a, uh, famously, there's a few cases, legal cases, where AI created precedent ca- cases that didn't exist. Law cases. Because all part of it is like, it's a bit of a creative thing. Now, people say that that's 3.5, 4.0. The latest iteration doesn't do that. Anyway, but I feel like we're getting too deep in it. Technically, it's called a hallucination. Correct. They say that AI hallucinates and that. Last I read, they still don't have an ultimate solution. Well, if you think about it, if, if, if it's programmed to kind of like take things and, and, and create things, well, then it's just it's being very creative. It's doing its job. I asked the questions of halacha. Again, this is like probably six months ago, and it just literally made up stuff. I'm like, what is Jewish law on XYZ? And it just made up stuff. I'm like, not reliable yet. Still have a job. <laughs> that was, still have a job. Anyway, what's the point? The point is that this guy Sam Altman. Oh, so he's there's a there's a there's a board and there's a team. But Sam Altman was like the CEO of this company, and this company is like at the forefront. Not it's not the only company, but at the forefront of these emerging, you know, uh, this emerging space. And then, like I think it was December time, just one day, they bounce him off. They just they just get rid of him. They bounce him. Everyone's like, what's going on? Anyway, so it turns out. Um, so I did a bit of a, a research. I, I, I looked this up, and maybe you guys also like read some articles on it. Huh? Oh, that's hilarious. Why was Sam? Why was Sam Altman uh, fired? Anyway, he was he was eventually he was let back within like I don't know maybe maybe not twenty four hours maybe like forty eight or seventy two hours because it like the whole company was going to implode without him. But one of the things that they said was that he was a guy who would. He was always thinking of new things or always getting excited about new things. 
that he was, it was hard to keep him focused on. So he would be investing in other things while he's supposed to be working on this thing. And they're like, you're too, that's, again, it's one of the things that I read about him, but it reminds me of what our conversation is. You have to have that grounding, the gvura, to really see it through to the end. It's almost like it's crazy to think that, and this is what's coming up, is that that gvura on the left side is almost the glue for the chachma, chesed, and netzach. I mean, what's going to make you see something through netzach? What's going to make you see th- something through to the end, despite the obstacles? You have to have a lot of discipline. Gvura is almost like the glue, the centering, that keeps that right line. It's almost like if you look at it as a, now as a triangle, so that left side is, is the anchor that allows your kite to fly in the air. I mean, right, flying a kite? So you're holding a string and, and it's soaring and you have the wind. You got, it's, it's designed like a triangle, but you're holding it. If you let it go, it's soaring, but there it goes. There it goes. Yeah. Can you say the same element that he had, that, you know, he was uh, on the right side and he had a lot of hukmah. Can't hold that guy down. That was yeah. the problem. Yeah. So do we, don't we say it all that, like, so maybe he's a partner, but then we say, like, Ushanisha, the man. Sure. What happens if the other if the other partner is like I can't deal with this guy anymore? I can't I can't keep on straining I can't keep on reeling this guy in. He's costing us money. He's distracted. He's he's going. I mean, people say that about Elon Musk also. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, you're 100. percent 100. percent It's good to have. It's Azer Kinegdo. The Torah says Azer Kinegdo. Azer means a helper. Kinegdo means opposite. It's good to have contrast. It's good to have. It's good to have um, complementary. We're getting, I, I uh, committed, I committed a Thursday night to a lot of new initiatives. So I will, I will add that to my list. I've already, I've already, uh, we've already mapped out a lot of them. So yes, we will do that. We will, we will get marriage and relationships in 100%. Marriage and entrepreneurship. Right, left. Done. Done. <laughs> All right. So back to this. So entrepreneurship is... Generally speaking, right side, um, em- employee is more left side, but as we've been discussing, you need both. And I love the way, Sam, I love how you phrased it. It's like a good uh, business leader or entrepreneur will give the creative side or help nurture the creative side to the employee. The employee and, or, or others can help ground the entrepreneur, etc. So it, it requires this balance, but definitely the entrepreneur is on the right side. So I want to tell you what the Rebbe said about entrepreneurs. And I, I said this at the beginning, but I didn't translate that into the Jewish side. And I said, at the, you know, as we come full circle, I will. And, and that, point, that time is now. The Rebbe said like this, just to restate what I said before. The, uh, the employee clocks out at five. Again, he didn't say this exactly, nine to five, but it's over. Job is over. I, things are going to be, you know, things are, weren't left in the, in the greatest way, whatever. I'll pick it up tomorrow. <laughs> There's a fire. Pick it up tomorrow. The entrepreneur, though, doesn't wait till tomorrow. The entrepreneur says, I'm, I, I need to work on this. The question is like this. When it comes to Yiddishkeit, when it comes to Yiddishkeit, when it comes to Judaism, how do we look at it? As a nine-to-five job or as a life commitment? Right? Is it that, I'll do a mitzvah. Right? God wants me to do a mitzvah, I'll do a mitzvah. 
Good. Am I responsible for the whole, you know, for, for everything, for, you know, my community, for the world, for Mashiach? I don't know. I don't know. I'm doing it. Want me to do a mitzvah? I'll do a mitzvah. I'm going to do my task. I'll do a mitzvah. Bigger picture stuff, that's not my concern. Or do we say, no, I'm an entrepreneur, which means I take responsibility, or the responsibility is mine. Which means that so long as the world is not in a Mashiach state, in other words, as long as there is brokenness in the world, as long as there is pain in the world, as long as there is darkness, as long as there is a fellow Jew in our community who, ha- who hasn't yet been given the opportunity or hasn't yet had the opportunity to be inspired by their own Yiddishkeit. I can't go to sleep at night saying, I'm okay, I'm okay. You know, I'm doing my thing, I'm okay. No, I'm an entrepreneur, which means that I'm concerned not just about my job, but about the business. The Rebbe spoke again and again and again throughout the decades, four leadership, four decades of leadership about changing the mindset, not of his mindset, change the mindset of every one of us. So this weekend is the Kinos HaShluchos, the, the Shluchos um, conference up in, up in uh, New York. So my wife is there. I got pictures of what's going on over there. They have, they have speeches and everything. But the Rebbe said countless times that it's not just the Shluchim and Shluchos that are, I'm doing a lot of air quotes, sorry, that are Shluchim and Shluchos. Everyone is a Shliach. What does that mean? What do you mean everyone's a Shliach? It means that Everyone ought to be the entrepreneur, which means that if you see someone, right, you meet, you meet a Jew, invite them over for Shabbat dinner. Someone needs something, so you step up and help them out. Someone is, is you have a conversation with someone, who, you know, you say, hey, come to a class. Let's study, study Torah together, you'll be inspired. Come Sunday mornings. The rabbi tells the worst jokes. Come, you, you, won't, you won't believe it. Come for yourself. But you see, and then, and then the mindset is that you're not just, I've said this so many times, but, it, it's, but it's apropos. Noach, Noah, Noah of the flood fame, he was an employee. God said, build an ark, build an ark. Gather your family, gather his family. Gather the animals, gather the animals. Did everything right, bidiyuk, precisely correct. The one thing he didn't do, he didn't care about anyone else. He didn't care about the business. He cared about his job. He didn't care about the business. The business is, can we save the world? No, no, not just the animals and his family, but can we stop this from happening? God gave him 120 years to build the ark. That's how we know he was Jewish. Took him 120 years to build an ark. I can imagine him in Home Depot. He's like, what's the thing that bangs the other things? I mean, the hammer... Yeah, I need one of those. Right, so, so Noah had 120 years. There were nine people saved, eight family members, plus Og, the jolly green giant, was saved also. He was hanging on the side of the boat, side of the ark. There were nine people. We know from uh, later stories in the Torah with Abraham, with Avram, that if there are 10 righteous people, everything's saved. He had 120 years to make a minion, one more person. To recruit, to inspire one more person for a minion. And he didn't. Not that he could, not because he couldn't. Because it wasn't, wasn't my, not my job. Why is that my job? It's not my job. I was told to build an ark, to gather the animals, and to save myself and, and, uh, and, and, and animal kind. 
So, oh, I should save, I should care about what's going on? Why is that my job? He didn't have the entrepreneurial uh, mindset. Entrepreneur, again, I know I'm like expanding the meaning of the entrepreneurial mindset, but as an entrepreneur, you're not just thinking about the task. You're not just thinking about uh, the specific uh, role that you were assigned. You're thinking about the bigger picture. So the Rebbe said again and again and again, everyone's a shliach, which means that we're all responsible for each other. It's not like a rabbi or a rabbitson, a shliach, a shlucha. It's not just somebody, you know, a teacher who's, it's everyone. You meet someone, be that person's point of inspiration, right? Invite them over for Shabbat. Share a kind word, invite them to a class, invite them to shul, you know, for a prayer service. Be that point of inspiration. It only happens when we have the mindset of this job of making the world a better place, of, of bringing ourselves together. It's not someone else's job. I'm the boss. It's my job. I take the responsibility on myself only in a good way. Yeah. So listening to this, I'm thinking that a Baal is a real entrepreneur because... They keep wanting to expand, they keep persevere, they keep going. Yeah. Going. Not being born into it, right? Someone who's not born into, you know, a, a strongly uh, observant Jewish lifestyle. For someone to, to um, take that on, to and adopt to it, going. and to keep on going. And how beautiful it is to not just personally keep on going, but to bring more people into the orbit and to say, hey, and, and I, I will share this as we kind of round things out for today's conversation. If you look at the Chabad model from a very, from a business perspective, how did the Rebbe set out the design, the business model of, of Chabad centers? It's not top down at all. It's very much on the ground. You're the shliach, welcome to Atlanta, go. What do I do? I don't know. What do you do? You, you have the Torah. Like, what else do you need? Go. Go. Meet people and figure out what they need and, and make it happen and provide for the needs. But wait, what about we need some corporate help? No, there's no corporate help. I mean, you can, we can give you a hug, but, but you need to be on the ground, right? But wait, is there a manual? Is there like a best? Pr- no, on the ground. Every place is different. The Rebbe was the ultimate entrepreneur who created and inspired entrepreneurs. Go out on your own and do it. But wait, where's the structure? I don't build it. The structure, you want the structure? Create it. What do you mean? And yeah, you could say, well, wouldn't it be better if there was an infrastructure? I would say it would be way too corporate. Chabad, Chabad is incredible. And I, I know many of you, because I've had conversations with so many of you about this. Many of you have been around the world and been to Chabad centers around the world. And I, I know you would tell me, and many of you have told me, that wherever you go, Chabad, you can always expect X, Y, and Z. But even as you can expect X, Y, and Z, you know what you can't expect? What's actually going on on the ground. In one place, it's a soup kitchen. In one place, it's a preschool. In one place, it's a synagogue. In one place, it's a camp. In one place, every place is different. Every place is different. But X, Y, and Z is best practices. Well, it's, it's, well what, I, what I meant by X, Y, and Z actually is love, Avas Yisrael, is love. <coughs> love of a fellow Jew, love of Torah, love of God, love of the Jewish people. I mean, I, th- I may have said that twice. But that's, that's, that's the core. 
That's the core, the core value of Chabad, like Avram, is Chesed. Right? It's not exclusive to Chabad by no means. I'm saying, but that as a core value of, of, of what the Rebbe kind of the Rebbe's vision was, Chesed. But then what to build, how to build? You know, Jonathan Sachs, that's up to the individual. Jonathan Sachs famously said, many uh, great leaders. Sorry. Uh, uh, I think he said, good leaders create followers. Great leaders create leaders. Leaders. Great leaders create leaders. Jonathan, no one was, uh, Jonathan Sachs, I mean, he like had a way with words. Yeah, the Rebbe created leaders. Mm-hmm. Rebbe took to Brooklyn people and others and whatever, whoever, and said, I believe in you. Go. Go. Open up something. Create something. You can do it. Think outside the box. Get creative. Find out what's needed. Solve for problems. Create it. And don't stop. And how long is the, how long is the gig? Netzach. Oh, it's, it's to the end. It's, there's no stopping. Till Mashiach comes and beyond. And so in the final analysis, today, just to kind of sum up what we said today, today we spoke about the soul of entrepreneurship, the soul of the entrepreneur. What does it look like? Where does it come from Kabbalistically, mystically? <coughs> it's primarily coming from the right side of the, the soul chart, of the soul map. It's coming from Chachma, Chesed, Netzach. These are the soul abilities that drive it. But at the core, what is it driving? It's driving this desire to not just do what's officially my job, but to think bigger picture, to think larger than the specific. And each of us in our own lives and in our Jewish lives is encouraged to think in that way as well. Let's not just think about what I have to do, what my job is in a smaller way, but let's think about the larger picture. What do we need? What are, as a community, what do we need? And instead of saying, well, that's someone else's problem, I'm going to be the entrepreneur. It's my business. It's not someone else's business. I own the business. The Rebbe said, everyone's a shliach. It's your business. The world, if we want to speak to on a really global level, the world, Mashiach, is our business. In, I forget which year it was. Um, I'm going to end with this. The Rebbe got up one evening after Meirv, after the evening service, and began speaking. And he said the following words. It's very, very like shocking. He said, I have done everything in my power to bring Mashiach. And it hasn't worked. And now I turn it over to you. Because what I've tried hasn't worked. So now y'all have to do it. He didn't say y'all. He didn't say it in English either. It's in Yiddish. This is like in, I think, 90, 91, or maybe 89, 90, or 91, one of those years. Huh? Um, it might have been around that time, but he said basically, it's not. I think what the rebel was saying was that if you all, if everyone's looking to me, that's not how this works. That's not how it's gonna. It's not how it's gonna be successful. Think about it again in a smaller space in a family, right? If everyone's like, well, it's it's that person's problem. That doesn't work. Everyone has to. Everyone is building this together in a community. It's one person's problem. Forget the word problem. It's, it's not one person's. It's everyone. We're all in this together. We're all leaders. And the re- right, it's, and it, but it's, it's, it's about viewing ourselves as leaders. The Rebbe said, 
At this point, Mashiach is all of our responsibility. Let's make it happen. In other words, every mitzvah, every person we meet, every opportunity, we're active. We're active. And we don't stop until we bring more and more light. And we flood the world with light because the Lord knows, and we all know, that the world needs more light than ever. Thank you for joining me this morning for Kabbalah Cafe. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it was inspiring. May this week be a week of light and a week of entrepreneurship. Look at yourself as an entrepreneur and you be the one to make the difference. Don't rely on anyone else. Don't wait for anyone else. Make it happen. All right. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Let me mention this. Oh, okay. Hold on. Before y'all go too far, let me mention next Tuesday night, we have an absolutely incredible speaker who's coming to Atlanta. His name is uh, Frank Mink. He is or was a former, former neo-Nazi born in Philadelphia. He was born in, he was born in Philly. What was that, uh, Freshman Spillair? Playground, where it's been most of my days. Shooting up. He, he was a skinhead, a neo-Nazi. He recruited neo-Nazis um, around the country. He was thrown in jail for, um, what's it called again? For um, kidnapping and, and other, other things. Anyway, bottom line is, he saw the light. He is now a, um, an anti-hate advocate. And I believe, I'm not sure about this, but I believe he found out. Yeah. I'm sorry if I gave too much away, but he's going to speak about one second. The reason why I think this is critical for everyone, the reason why I think this is critical is, is because he's going to open us up. He's going to bring us into the world of hate. What does that look like? What is going around? How does hate... What, what are the, what are, what are the um, mechanics by which hate expands? And what are the ways in which we can neutralize hate? So that is the, the agenda of this talk. Understanding the soul of hate and understanding the, the root and soul of hate and then understanding the cure and how we can solve for that problem. All right, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. If so, Zoom, I'm, I will say this, Zoom by request. And the reason I say that is because I don't want it to have happen. We had happen um, because I feel like this one would also bring out people. So I, I'm, I'm not going to advertise it, but if you need a Zoom link, email me. I will have a camera up and I'll hook it up to the computer and I will send you. It will be recorded, 100%. Recorded audio and video, and if you need. But if you can come out in person, absolutely. And uh, all right. Good to see you all. Shavuot Tov. Good to see you guys. Well, let me just close this out. Let me just check, check, take a look at the chats. Ambition and risk. Right? Yes, very well said. Awesome. Good stuff. Great to see you guys. Shavuot Tov. See you soon, everybody. Hey. Yes. So he was asking.